0: Let's commit this service to the Lord and trust that God will speak this one. Can we do that? That God will open your heart and God will speak to you. Lord Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you, Father. That Lord, you have ordained for your word to impact your word to touch the hearts of people, oh Father. And Lord, I just pray that they will just not have knowledge of your word, that your word will be revealed in their heart, oh Father. And Lord, I just commit this service of oh Father to your Holy Spirit, that your Holy Spirit will lead this time of oh Father. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I'm super excited for what I want to preach uh, because this for me is not just a sermon. Uh, this is something which has happened to me over the last 12, 13 years. And I want to share a little bit about the journey and then get into the word. When I first got saved, I actually got saved in a crusade. And uh, the Lord appeared to me in a very powerful way, and he touched my life, he transformed me. After that, I wanted to serve God. And for a very brief time, I was at a different church for about six to seven months. And at that time, I had gone to the pastor and said, you know what, I want to serve God, I really want to give my life to Christ in service. So he told me, go do the Tafty course. So I was like, excellent, tafty. so if I do tafti, maybe I'll get some direction, I'll be able to serve God. So then I took on the Tafty course and I started, uh, you know, preparing and studying. But during the tafty course, there were a lot of things in the book which I started finding a little concerning, a little off, not coherent with scripture. So I went back to this professor and I told him that, see, this is the problem. here. He was also a pastor. I told him this is the thing. Then I came back to our pastor. Pastor David was there, and he said, Pastor, this is in the Bible. Why is this uh, being mentioned here? And he said, yes, man, I think that's something uh, that's not correct. Uh, Why don't you go and talk to them? So I went and spoke to them. They said send a letter to the person who's, you know, writing these things and stuff. I didn't have the time or the effort to go and do something like that, but actually it started opening my eyes out a little bit. To recognize that, We, as Christians, need to be vigilant in what we read. What you allow into your mind, what you allow into your heart is very important. Because what we allow in our mind and our heart sets doctrines, it sets beliefs, even if it's coming from the Christian or even if it's coming from the secular world. The second time something amazing happened in my life is when I wanted to serve and thankful to Pastor Victor that he gave me the opportunity to serve at Radiant School of Learning, which was a part of our missional effort from Adonai Ministries. And I was thoroughly blessed. I loved my time, you know, in terms of teaching the children. And I also seen that many of them started coming to the Lord. They were getting saved. But there was concern in their walk of life. And from then, I decided that, oh, I should start teaching them the word, aligning them back to God's word. And from then, I started doing Bible studies, which I'm still continuing. It's about 11 years or 12 years now. One thing I want to tell you is this, that I have seen God's word really work in people's lives, for real. The second important thing is during one of the... Programs which he had in the church, uh, this was way back, I think nine, ten years ago, and there was a statement which i was I, I came across, and I learned it, and while ministering to this person, I told them this, and that person, being very smart, said, Show me where it's in the Bible, what you're saying? I very confidently opened the Bible and I searched, I searched, I searched, couldn't find it. I was like, Oh my' <laughs> And then I realized there's a lot of things which I know not necessarily is aligned with the Bible. And I think that's so true as it is biblical truth. See, the confidence which I said it, it gave me a sense that it was absolute truth. And from that day, I made a very sincere decision that I want to know the word of God clearly. And even when I got saved... There were times when I used to struggle to read the Bible. I remember Pastor Rennie had come here to preach in the old church, and I couldn't read the Bible, so he said, put on audio. I was desperate to read the word, but couldn't read the word. But it all changed when I was in Radiant School. The desire and the heart to nurture people helped me to look at the word more clearer. What I'm saying is very important because this will be connected with the sermon, and this message is very close to my heart the title of the sermon is equipping the saints ephesians 412 says that god has given the fivefold ministry to equip the saints for service while i was preparing for this message the word equipping really popped out i do this i go and check also the greek to see if there's any more understanding i can gain from it the word equipping in the greek is actually kata zio. And it means to align or put things in proper position. And I was like, this was a revelation to me. The word equipping is to align or to put in a proper position. I knew the word equipping means to empower, to encourage for ministry. But the sense of that word is to bring alignment, to put it in the right position. And this really changed my view of a lot of things. The question I asked after this is, and I want to give you some context as to why we need to put things in alignment or put it in the right position. For this, you have to go back to the beginning of all things, or what we call Genesis. So God asks a question in Genesis. He says, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It's desirous to have you, but you must rule after it. The question is, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? In Christianity, we are so focused on what not to do. We are focused on avoiding the wrong things. But the Bible view And actually, this is the central view where God says, do what is right. See, if you do what is right, will you do what is wrong? And God is saying, if you do what is right, in line with my word, will the enemy come and have a hold over you? Will the enemy have access in your life? Now this is so simple, but this is the reality. Proverbs 2.15 says, Men whose paths are crooked and whose devious in their ways. Men whose are paths are crooked. Psalms 125.4 and 5 says, Do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with the evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. I put this statement, I want you to consider this statement. There's a very clear difference biblically between what is right and what is wrong. There is no gray area in the Bible. God is completely holy, he's completely righteous, and his word is pure, and his word is good for direction and for living. And we need to know that deep in our heart. So there is a clear difference between right and wrong. The scripture is the only text on earth to declare absolute truth. And I want to give an example for that. Now this is just an illustration to say that this is God's word. Why he made it red? Because there's a lot of red verses in the Bible. Okay. So this is God's word. It's absolute Truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The paths of the righteous are straight. But you see, also, human beings, there is a sense of crookedness or a sense of bentness in us. And that bentness is like this this is God's word. This is what God is saying. But look what we do. We deviate from God's word. God made us. To live in true righteousness and holiness. To walk in his ways. To walk in his paths. The word of God is absolute. You know what absolute means? It's the foundation. It's whole. It's complete. It's not up for debate. It's not up for questioning. This is it. And how we know even about morality. Morality has to have something to base itself off. And how do you know what's right and wrong? Through the word of God. The word of God dares to tell people this is right, this is wrong. There's very clear path set in the Bible. Jesus came full of truth and spirit. Was there any lie in him? And, but how do we live life? The first thing I want to say is that we were all made to be aligned with God's word. Correct? Can you see alignment is good? When you're building a house also, you put, you know, certain measurements to see if all the walls are aligned, they are straight, they are steady. You have various tools also to check if they're bent. Will you build stuff which is bent? Cracks will come after a certain point of time. But look at us, what's happened to us. We have deviated or we have become misaligned with God's word. We like to use words such as transformation. What does transformation really mean? Yes, when you're born again, you receive the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You turn away from your sins. You repent. You believe in the gospel. And you're saved. You're saved by the righteousness of God. But then, ongoing transformation, how does it happen? Romans 12, it says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. I preached this in the, in the previous sermons. If you have time, go back and listen to it. And how does renewal of the mind happen? How does transformation happen? When you start aligning yourself back to? God's word. See, we all may have our own opinions, our own thoughts, so-and-so, so-and-so said this, this person said that, this says that, but ultimately, what should you base your life of? People's opinions? Your circumstances? Your problems? Or the word of God? Which one? See, it's so simple. This sermon is very important because... When we don't walk according to God's ways, we become misaligned. We get displaced, and we get diseased. What? When you get disaligned, you get displaced, and you get? What does the word disease means? To be at disease. You're not functioning in ease. For us to function in ease, we first have to get back to the word of God. In the Bible, for example, it says, forgive people. What do we think? How can I keep forgetting, forgiving people so much? They have hurt me so much, I won't forgive them. I won't release. I will just be like that. It's too difficult for me. So where are you? Disaligned. So can God heal you if you're disaligned with God? Or misaligned with God? Can God heal you? No. If you believe that God can't heal you, can he heal you? No. You have to first come back to the truth saying that God... Heals and He forgives. And when you start believing that God can heal and God can forgive, guess what happens? You put yourself in proper alignment and the blessing of God will flow in your life. But how do you expect God's blessing to flow if you're disaligned with God? How do you expect that to happen? Thank you. I came up with a very simple statement and actually my title of the message was supposed to be spiritual alignment but then because of efficiency I said equipping the saints which is very relevant. This is a statement which I put and I hope you can consider this statement. Spiritual alignment is the proper positioning or state of adjustment in relation to the world. Spiritual alignment is seeing how off you are gone and correct yourself. How off you are gone and correct yourself. See, if you're not corrected, you're crooked. If you're not crooked, how can actually God work through your crookedness? There are two research which I picked up from Barna. Barna conducts a lot of these surveys. They're very interesting. Uh, Next slide. The Bible, they asked a question, this is amazing, the question is, the Bible contains everything a person needs to live a meaningful life. Now, that would be a very simple question, and I hope all of us agree with that statement. But look at what the survey people said. 30% strongly agreed, 24% somewhat agreed, 12% disagreed somewhat, and 13% disagreed strongly, which means only 30% say that the Bible contains everything for a meaningful life. God in his wisdom was able to tell us what happened before creation and what happens after creation. You think he does not know what's going to happen in the interim time? Genesis, by the way, starts before creation and it ends in the new city or after this this earth passed away. So you are saying that a God who knows so much did not know what is enough and sufficient for us to live on planet earth? God of all sovereignty and all wisdom, he did not know what is necessary for us. The Bible says that the miracles and work of Jesus was so much that there was, I mean, the books of the world could not actually put it together. Now, God didn't take all of that and he took certain amount of things and put it in the Bible. Why? Because he knew that it was adequate, sufficient for us to live a godly life. The danger is this today. We think that we can get godly wisdom out of the Bible. Is that possible? Even the Holy Spirit will attest to the word of God. Even the Holy Spirit will not disagree with the word of God. Because obviously, the scripture was breathed through the Holy Spirit. But the point here with that statistic of what I wanted to show you is, if only 30% strongly agree, 70% of people are in Problem. If you look at society and the breakdown of society and why Christianity is struggling with all these great problems, we profess to have the Lord and Savior and to live godly lives, but Christianity also has its share of problems. Why? Because we are being sanctified and we are disaligned in various areas of our life and God has to bring us into alignment back. Look at the next survey. How often do you use the Bible on your own? Seven days a week, four to six times, two to three times, uh, once a week, once a month. Look at this, this is shocking if you look at the percentage. 11% is the ones who do 7%. On the major contrast, never is 29%. So half of them have stopped reading the Bible. Where do you think they're going to get absolute truth from? You think YouTube videos is going to give you absolute truth? even when i preach there are some parts of me which is human but what you get pure and adulterated word of god is only from the bible if you go and look at the sense of the popularity of the bible the guinness world record right for the highest sold book is 6 billion copies of the bible it's the best seller from the time the bible was written how much is the bible read There'll be another Guinness record for that also, I think. See, we need to come to a place of recognizing how important the word of God is. It's only the word of God which can bring you back into alignment in areas of your life. The very thing which can transform your life, the very word which can do great works in you, which can deliver you, which can heal you, which can restore you, is the very word we want to run away from. Somebody asked this person, uh, Smith Wigglesworth. You know, he was a very powerful man of God, working in signs, wonders, miracles. One of the notable great people, great men of God. And they asked him, how how long do you read the Bible? He said, five minutes. And they said, what? He said, every five minutes. Now, I don't think that's something... But look at the heart of this man. He was living and breathing God's word. Some of us say we read the Bible so many times you don't want to read it, I know everything. Is it really possible that you know everything in the Bible? <laughs> I've been really reading the Bible for the last, I think, 12, 13 years from the time i was saved. In depth from the time, you know, that RSL Bible study, I really started reading. Even today, God reveals things which I'm like, I didn't see that in the Bible. I read it so many times. See, God's word is not knowledge, it's not information, It's revelatory. Meaning God reveals and his revelation is ongoing. Till you die, you read the Bible a thousand times, God will reveal even at a thousand times something you don't know. 2 Timothy 3.16-17 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching for reproof for rebuke for correction for training in righteousness that the man of God may become complete you have heard of this right the complete man raiments. the Christian man is, the, the complete Christian man is what they are talking about there we like to clothe ourselves nicely outside what about inside you want to be complete slick inside know the word of God And it says, the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So teaching is very simple. What does teaching do? It rebukes. It says, okay, you're going off track. And then it corrects you back to the truth so that you may walk in the ways of God. Do you really desire to walk in the ways of God is my real question. If you desire the Lord Jesus Christ, you desire his word, you desire to walk in his ways, you will take the Bible seriously. You will really take it very seriously. Talking about YouTube and all the books which are written out there, there was another interesting video which came on Instagram, you know, one of those reels. And so this guy asked this lady, so are you a Christian? Yes, I'm a Christian. Do you believe in the word of God? No. I'm like, hello? I mean, that's the level of Christianity today. Are you a Christian? Yes. Do you believe in God's word? No. Proverbs 35 says, every, look at the word, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Every word. We don't get to choose which scripture I will take and use, which scripture I will not use. We don't get to choose that. All of the word of God is breathed through the Holy Spirit. There was a person named Markon who kept saying that the God of the Old Testament is bad, so he deleted the Old Testament. Then he went on to say, Revelations is not that great, he deleted that. Then he said certain things that Jesus said in the New Testament were very controversial, let's delete that. You go deleting things, you'll end up with nothing. Either you accept the whole word of God or nothing. Nothing. Isaiah 48 says, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God endures forever. Our words may pass away, but God's word will never pass away. The Bible says that God has exalted His word above everything. He has exalted his word about everything. We need to submit to that word. Our opinions, our feelings and our ideas cannot be put above God's word. The moment we do that, we think we are God. We are only called to align ourselves with God's word. We cannot oppose God's word or think that we are higher than God's word. We need to be very careful, my friends, with this matter. Because we are living in the very end days where deception is going to be at its highest peak. And if you do not know the Bible well, you're going to be in big trouble. I remember once there was this person teaching, you know, kind of preaching or whatever, and there was a whole group of people sitting, and this person made a statement which was so contrast to the Bible, and everyone were clapping their hands. I'm like, oh my... When you hear sermons, do we go back and check it? Are we like the Berian people? When Paul spoke, they received things with an open heart. They went back home and they checked it. Is this guy saying what is real? See, your mind is very important. Your spirit is very important. What you allow into your heart will establish belief systems. It can be from the outside world. or It can be even from Christianity or Christian teaching. You need to guard your mind. The only thing you need to guard very preciously is your mind. Please wear a helmet of salvation. Don't allow things to come and form wrong beliefs because the moment wrong beliefs are created in your heart, I can guarantee you behavior will happen. Then you think, this is a Christian guy. Why is he behaving that way? Check his beliefs. you know why he's behaving that way. Psalms 37, 23 says, The Lord orders the step of a good man and he delights in his way. God delights. When we say, Lord, I want to hear your word, the Rema word. I want to read your word, the logos. And when we walk in his way, God delights in it. We follow God's word because God delights that we walk in the right way because he wants to bless you. God's heart is not to curse you. God's heart is to bless you. But how can he bless you when you're disaligned with God's word? How can you walk a proper Christian life? Is it possible? It's a very big contradiction. See, it's nice that we come to church, we have fellowship, and there are so many churches, they come, they have fellowship, you have a lot of things happening. But the real question is, when you go back, are you aligned with God's word? Are you walking in his ways? Because true Christianity is practicing Christianity. It's not just the knowledge of Christianity, it is practice of Christianity. So alignment is actually harmony, attitude, similitude, meaning being similar, and a union with the mind of God and his plans. So are you willing to be in union with the mind of God, with the plans of God, in a sense, are you being ready to be aligned with the will of God? Now, I would like to ask a question. So now we understand to some degree what alignment is. Why is there so much a requirement for alignment? Because there is disalignment. I'll give you a few verses of scripture and show you how disalignment or misalignment happens. The first one is 2 Corinthians 2.17. It says, unlike so many, we do not pedal. The word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity as those who send from God. You know the word peddling is usually used when they're selling drugs or something like that. Why do you peddle it? To make money. Today many people think that ministry is to make money for profit. If Paul was here, he would have rebuked people. Paul said in little and in much that I will serve God with my whole heart, with sincerity. And you know what peddling is actually? it is a wrong use or doing illegal stuff so when we peddle the word of god for wrong uses it's dangerous and i like this all right people like to peddle the word of god to give people a spiritual high and then they'll fall down and then they'll search for somebody else where can i go and get the same kind of teaching see be careful If God's word is not transforming you, if God's word is not challenging you, then you're not growing in your Christian faith. God's word needs to challenge your life. The way of living, your way of thinking, God wants to challenge those things in your life. Because his motive is for your benefit. God is not challenging you to give you a sorrowful, sad, pitiful life. He wants you to have an amazing life. I've put up a statement there, deception may give you what you want today, but it'll take away everything in the end. It'll give you what you want, you can believe whatever you want to, but at the end, everything is going to wither away. The second point is need-based Christianity. In 2 Timothy 4, 3-4, it says, for time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine or sound teaching, but have itching ears that they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Teachers to suit their own passions. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Today we have different type of churches. If you have a problem with God's view of gender, male and female, now there are churches which have a different view about that. And if you don't like this church, go to that church. If you want to go to another church which is only making, want you to be prosper, earn a lot of money, now there's a church for that also. It's more like become like supermarket here. Which shop you want, go choose whichever you want, walk in there. It's become supermarket Christianity. And it says in the end days, we will not endure sound teaching. We will seek after our own passions, our own desires. Why? We don't want God's word to transform us. We just want God's word to put a stamp on all the things that we're doing in life. That's all we want God's word for. Deception is 99% truth and 1% lie. It can be a personal perception also. See, the enemy will not come to you and say, Hey, listen here, I am Satan. Okay? I have a wrong thought which I want to put in your mind. Please accept it. Will he do that? He'll deceive you. He will give you so much of truth and he'll sneak in one lie there that you won't know what is that even. That's called adulteration with the word. And who's in more danger for deception? Christians. Because the enemy knows if I deceived Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and made them to do things contrast to God's word, today also I can do it. The fall of creation is also because of misalignment with God's word. If, he, if it worked that time, it'll work now. The main tool of Satan is deception. And most of us, before deceiving other people, we ourselves deceive ourselves, which is more dangerous. So let's learn to recognize what the absolute, pure truth of the Word of God is and live according to it. Read the New Covenant, very powerful, or the New Testament, as you call it. Isaiah 5.20, now the next one is people-pleasing. First one was a prophet, second is need-based Christianity, third is people-pleasing. Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. There was such a powerful rebuke of God in the Old Testament. There were prophets going out and saying, God is going to bless you, God is going to prosper you, where God was upset with them. And those are called false prophets we are not sensitive to what god is saying and when we go into a mode of teaching gospel which is to meet the needs and to please people we are going in a very dangerous track the next one is twisting the truth 2 peter 3:16 says As he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and the unstable twist to their own destruction. That's why you need teachers, that's why you need people to raise you up, to equip you. Because sometimes when we don't realize what is true, what happens? We twist it for our own destruction. So sometimes it's not other people who are affecting you. We have a wrong view of things, we can't comprehend it, we twist it, and we walk in a very wrong way. There's a nice quote by Leonardo da Vinci. Now, he's not a Christian, just so that you know. I just liked his quote, so I'm just wanting to put it across because there was a lot of understanding in this. The greatest deception men suffer from is their own opinions. We can so quickly deceive with what I think, what I feel, what I believe. If you had all those three then you're aligning yourself because the enemy also said, I will exalt myself to the high, I will become like God. We need to align ourselves back to the truth. I want to give you another small example of what happens when you don't align yourself to the truth. You all all okay? You all should be excited when such kind of things are being taught. So we said that this is the word of God, right? This is clear alignment. That is clear. The word of God is profitable for teaching, equipping, everything. And then you're disaligned. So first you're actually supposed to be aligned. Now let's say in one area of your life you get disaligned a little bit. Guess what happens? The enemy says, thank you so much. Let me come and take some space. And I'm not saying this, Ephesians 2, Ephesians 4, 27 says, do not give the devil a foothold. What is the word in Greek, foothold means? Topos, which means place. In Tamil they say, don't give the enemy a place, don't give the enemy a foothold in your life. Now once you give the foothold, what will the enemy say? Thank you so much. See, the enemy wants one very, very clear thing he knows that as long as you're walking in the ways of God according to the truth, he cannot get a foothold. Why he gets a foothold is when we get deceived or when we go off track. Because that opens the door for the enemy to come and take access. And he oppresses Christians. Not, uh, you know, possesses them, oppresses them. Very different. You want to know more? Go for the healing and deliverance conference. But anyways. Now, how do you deal with the situation? First, go back to the truth. See, when you go back to the truth, can the enemy have a hold in your life? You aligned yourself back. So it's easy to cast the demon out or to do deliverance. What does this mean? It simply means the enemy is only looking for access in your life. You think that, you're debating against truth, you have your own opinions, but the enemy is saying, very good, question God's word a little bit more. See what happened when Eve did it. He wants you to question God's word. He wants you to go against God. What, simply why? Because he wants a foothold. He doesn't care about two Christians debating. He's concerned, where can I get access? Where can I get, walk through in that person's life and take a hold? That's where strongholds are actually created. And that's why the Bible says, pull down all those strongholds. Because they're not the will of God. Thanks. So, how do we align ourselves with God? The first suggestion I have for you is to align with God's plans requires humility and a willingness to submit our plans and decisions to Him, trusting that He knows what is best for us. The first thing is humility. If we are not able to come to a place of recognizing that we cannot do right in ourselves and we need God, we come to the end of ourselves and we say, God, I'm done with myself. Unless you help me, I cannot do anything. And I have been in that circumstance so many times in my life. Where we come to the end of ourselves and we say, God, I can't do anything in my own ability. That's the best place for God. The more you say, I cannot, and say, God, give me your grace. Give me your mercy. Help me. I know this is true, but I'm struggling to align myself to the truth. What do we do? Ask for God's grace. God's grace works perfect in your weakness. Psalms 25.9 says, he leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. So if you are not humble, then how can God teach us? How can he work with us? The biggest stagnation for Christianity is when they say, I know it all. I don't need anyone to tell me anything. There you know you're going to decline after that. Because a Christian means that we are always learning. We are always walking in God's ways. God is revealing to us and it's an ongoing life process. Isaiah 66:2 60, says, My hands have made both the heavens and the earth. They and everything in them are mine. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts, who tremble at my word. I believe humility is such a big thing for us. Because the biggest challenge all of us face with is not that we don't know the truth. Are we willing to humble ourselves to accept the word of God? Are we willing to put aside our opinions and all our passions and pleasures and say, God, I humble myself. I agree that you are right. I'll follow you. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit and joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The word of God is so powerful, economics can't go and do all that in your heart, okay? Business management cannot do all that in your heart. (laughs) Literature cannot do all that in your heart. Movies definitely cannot do that in your heart. But it's only the word of God, which is a double-edged sword, which can penetrate in your heart. Now, why does the word of God penetrate in your heart? Because it shows things clearly which you can't see. The Bible says that our hearts are deceptive above all things. So when the word of God comes, it shows us this is what is good, this is what is wrong. This is more of yourself and this is what of God. It divides because the soul is always focused on herself, but the spirit focuses on the things of God. And it helps judge. What does it mean, judge? It helps give you a clear understanding of the circumstance and a decision. So the first point is very important, that we need to come to a place of humility and understanding. The second point is alignment to God's will. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you will follow my commandments. If you love me, you will follow my commandments. It doesn't say, if you follow my commandments, then I will love you. Or that's the basis of love, which you have for God. It says that, if you love me, you will follow my commands. Derek Prince said a very interesting statement. He said, "You cannot love God more than His word, meaning God's word and Him both are same." In Revelation it says that there was a title given to Jesus which was not given to any man, and he was known as the Word of God. So the word you see in scriptures is Jesus in print. I'm sure you all are very excited. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 1 John 2 says, whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a good person, is a good Christian. 1 John 2 says, whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. If we say that we are walking according to God's ways, and we are not actually walking in the truth, there's some problem there. I want to give you another small illustration. If you look at the whole Bible, right, the Old Testament and the New Testament, what is central or foundational or the very center of the whole Bible? I will tell you because obviously, the central of the whole Bible is the cross. The people of the Old Testament look forward to the coming of the Jesus, for coming of Jesus. Today you sit looking back to the finished work of God. What is the center? The cross. The Bible says that Jesus humbled himself and took on the form of man. In the garden of Gethsemane, just before Jesus went to the cross, he was sweating drops of blood. And you know what he says? God... If this is not your will, take this cup of suffering from me. If this is not your will. So you really think Jesus wanted to go to the cross at that point? If this is your will, take this cup of suffering from me. But then he uses the most beautiful statement. If not my will, yet your will. That he wants, even though he's going through that turmoil, he said, God, I still want your will. I, and this is not recorded in the Bible. You know what the Father said? Jesus, I hope there was another way, but there is no other way. And that's why Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. Because in the Garden of Gethsemane, the father realized that the only way was the son to die on the cross for your sins, for your uh, sicknesses, for all curses on the cross. And then on the third day, you see that Jesus rose again. And this is documented in history also. Not many people want to read history. Not just the Bible, it's historical also. But the reality is this. God has called all of you here to live a resurrected life. But the question is, without the cross, can you be resurrected? Without the cross, can you be resurrected is my question. When we talk about alignment, we know this is God's word. I'm sorry, this is God's word. And this is whatever you are thinking or going through. Without the cross, can you align yourself back? You can't. And you know what the cross is? The cross is when God's will and your will dissect each other. You have your will, but you're saying, not my will, but your will. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, pick up your cross and follow me. Which cross is this talking about? Carry the sentence of death on your own will and submit to the will of Jesus. Because the will of God is perfect and it will help you to live a very, very powerful life. But without the cross, can you have resurrection? Now in some areas of our life, we are like, God, please don't touch me in this area. I mean, this is very hurtful for me, God. Maybe next time, next year, grace period. Now the areas which we have struggled, we have gone to the cross and we are resurrected, we will preach about that to people. This is the way you have to live in that area of life. This is the way you have to live. Why? You have gone to the cross, you are resurrected, and you know the power of overcoming. But the areas which are difficult, you don't want to take it to the cross. You don't want to take your problems to the cross, your suffering to the cross. The areas which are misaligned in your life, you don't want to take it to the cross. My friends, without the cross, there is no resurrection. Look at all the areas of your life. Which are the areas you don't want to take to Christ is the biggest problem in your life. We can avoid a lot of problems in our life, and that is the big problem. Thanks. Deuteronomy 30:19 says, "I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. Heaven and earth as witness, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses, choose life. What's God's will? Choose life. That both you and your descendants may live. That you may love the Lord your God and may you may obey his voice. And I like this part, it says, and that you may cling to him. For he is your life and the length of your days. That you may dwell in the land of the Lord, swore to your fathers Abraham, Isaac and Jacob to give them. God is saying, choose life today. You know many people who are famous and who have done it great, you know, wealthy, significant, and had great lives, okay, non-believers. When they came to a place of their deathbed or suffering, and they met with Jesus, their whole life turned upside down. They didn't want Jesus that time, but when they came into the circumstance, that's when they wanted Jesus. Why? No one can help them apart from Jesus because only life is available in Christ. Anything outside Christ is not available. 1 John 5.14 said, This is the confidence we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, we stop with the verse anything, but actually it continues, according to his Will. You can ask anything, but it has to be according to his will. And he will hear us. God is not bound to make your pleasures, your fancies, and your opinions come to pass. God will only back his word. He's not going to back your word. He'll back your word only if you're aligned with his word. The only thing that God really backs is his word. You know, when we give advice, or if we give direction to people, and it's scripture... I give it with the greatest confidence. You know why? Because my words may drop. God's word will never drop. No chance. And I've seen that over the last 10 years, that wherever God has spoken and you apply God's word, it will come to pass. Because the Bible said heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will remain. Smith Wigglesworth said a very nice quote. He said, if you seek nothing but the will of God, he will always put you in the right place at the right time. I'll repeat again. If you seek nothing but the will of God, God will put you in the right place at the right time. You know, let it be your family, let it be your office, let it be your ministry. If you seek the perfect will of God in that area, you are bound to be put in the right place at the right time. Sometimes we think that promotions come by ourselves, we can have powerful ministries by ourselves, that our family life, everything is going to become better by itself. No. When we seek the perfect will, God makes things work for your good. I'm just trying to encourage you. If there's one thing I want to really tell you, is start re-looking how you look at the Word of God. It's very powerful. If you know how powerful the word of God is. I hope God reveals that one thing to you today morning. The third point is alignment is application. So we looked at a very important thing is in terms of how we need to come to a place of humility. That we need to align our will with God's will. But the third important thing is alignment is application. John 14, 15, uh, 14 uh, sorry, 15 says, Remain in me, and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither you can bear fruit unless you remain in me. We like the second part. It says, I also will remain on you. And that's the central thing many Christians think. And that's true. Christ in me is the hope of glory. But look at the first part. It says, remain in me. And it ends with saying, unless you remain in me. God is calling us to obedience. It's not that you can work out things by your own ability, but you wanting and willing to align yourself with God will only bring the blessings of God in your life. Are you wanting to remain in the word of God? Are you wanting to remain in the spirit? Pursue godliness, pursue holiness, pursue the word of God. Trust God for the infilling of the Holy Spirit in your life to be led by God on a daily basis. Deuteronomy 30, 10, 11 says, If you obey the Lord your God and keep, 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 keep his commandments and decrees that are written in the book of the law and turn to the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach so you may obey. It. I like this last part where God says, you, you know, you follow, the, you obey the word of God, but then he says... He ends by saying that it is not so difficult for you to keep it. And who is he talking to? The people of the Old Testament. He's telling the people of the Old Testament that it is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach to obey the words of God. That's the Old Testament, my friends. Today, you have Christ living in you, you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you're living under the new covenant of grace, and you think you cannot keep God's word? Are you joking? That's real. We are living in great times that God wants us to walk in his way and he's empowered us with the Holy Spirit. He's given us the grace which is divine ability, not your ability, divine ability to walk according to his ways. Why aren't we seeking or desiring God's word? Why aren't we desiring the Holy Spirit? Why aren't we calling out for the grace of God to help us? God desires this. And I know many of y'all are probably in that stage, but for the others and whoever are listening everywhere, I really trust that God will put this deep desire in your heart. James 1.22 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers, deceiving yourself. So we can hear a lot of Bible sermons, YouTube, read books, And then what? And if we don't practice it or put it into application, we are deceived. So usually we always are looking for other people outside to deceive us, but the thing is this. If we don't practice God's word, we are self-deceived. Matthew 28, 20 says, Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you to the end of the age. Matthew 28, the Great Commission, you know what God is saying? Not teach them information, not teach them knowledge, not just intellect, though all of this is important, but it's saying teach them to obey or teach them to practice the word of God. We are called to be practicing Christians or simply put, believers. Because what we believe will become our behavior. God wants us to align our heart, soul, and will and strength with him. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your will, and all your strength. How do you do it? By aligning yourself to him. We started with the context saying that Ephesians 4, that God has given the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, and the teacher, and the pastor, for what? To equip people for Ministry, so that they may be built up. Now, I'll read the balance and I want you to really pay attention to this. It's on the screen. Until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So, why are we being aligned? Why are we being empowered? So that we become mature. What is maturity? Being aligned to God, being empowered by God is maturity. How can we be mature if you're not able to discern right and wrong? Hebrews chapter 5 says that milk is for babies who cannot discern between right and wrong. For mature is the ones who are able to practice God's word, put it into application. And the key is this 14 says, then they will not no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by cunningness and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Maturity is able to recognize the difference between right and wrong, it is able to be aligned and empowered by God so that we don't fall in the trap of deception. When Paul yeah, just before Paul left for his final journey to Rome, you know what happened? Paul called all the elders, and you know what he told the elders? Now, this is like one of the last things he's telling many of the pastors and elders in the church. He's telling them that in the latter days, there will be wolf in chief closing, will be amongst you, and they will bring deception. What did that mean? It simply means that... You need to be pastoral or to cover a person, uh, cover the church, is to make sure that they're walking in truth. And that people who are wolves in sheep's clothing do not come and deceive people and move them from their pure faith, from their trust in God. And Paul looked at deception as a very big thing amongst Christians. And you'll notice that later happening. If you study history, you'll recognize the amount of wrong doctrines and all the mess which happened from 1980 to 380 till they had the Nicene Creed. So much of mess. Why? Because the enemy wants to attack the church by deviating them from the truth. It says instead of speaking the truth with love, we grow to become in every respect. Uh, uh, yeah, sorry. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. What is all this for? What is the end goal? Love. God wants to align us, he wants to empower us so that we don't fall in the trap of deception, so that we remain in a pl- place of unity. And even in 1 Corinthians 12, it says there are different parts of the body, alignment of the body. Why? Ultimately, that we are in a place of love with each other. What is God's heart? Again, it goes back to the same thing. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as your... How are we to grow in love if you don't discern lies. How are we to grow in love if we are disaligned or if we have wrong beliefs? How are we to walk in perfect love if you're not mature? People find it difficult to forgive people, to deal with hurts, to deal with wounds. Why? Because they don't realize the importance of aligning themselves back to God's forgiveness. The outcome of alignment, that is transformation and ministry impact. Why does God want to equip you to bring transformation? And so that you impact people around you. So what are the areas of alignment which is required in your life? I want to just suggest two or three, you can go back home and check this out. What does God's word say about healing? Is it God's will that you be healed? Is it God's will that you be restored? But the reality doesn't seem like that when you're sick. So what do we do? Despite us being in sickness, we still come to a place of believing that what God said is true. Despite our feelings, despite our circumstances, we still believe that this is true. That's why we align. Alignment is believing in God's word. Putting God's word into practice. I'll give you another example. Marriage. I think the Bible is quite clear saying that don't get unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Now, if you say, God, I don't think so, maybe I will try this out and see maybe she'll come to the Lord or he'll come to the Lord. What are you doing? You're disaligning yourself with God. Now, is God... Bound to actually work in that area? No. Because it says do not be unequally yoked with a non-believer. The Bible says that a man is called to be in a place of headship. That women submit to man and men love their wife. All of this is in the Bible. Very basic. Notice most of the marriage problems will be here only. Why? It's not the point of what they're doing. The point of are they aligning themselves with God's word? Despite their feelings, despite what society says, despite all the problems in the world, is the husband and wife willing to say, I'll put everything aside. Let's see what God tells us, and this is the way we should live. If we do that, what will happen? You think God's word will fail? The word of God, Christ, is called to be the center of your marriage. And the areas we struggle in marriage is usually the areas we don't align ourselves with God's word. Ministry, nowadays the concepts of ministry are so vast that I do not know what is ministry from a worldly point of view. It's so confusing. The non-believers also using the word as calling and ministry and what not. And I don't want to get into too much, I can preach on a whole sermon on that. But technically, there's a very clear view in the new covenant where God has called us to the ministry of reconciliation, there's the great commission, there is a call for purpose. That's clear, right? Now you say, I'll go do my own thing, but it's not aligned with God's, I got a special revelation from God. That's where cults are formed. See, again, shouldn't the purpose also come back to God's? Now you align yourself and God will work uniquely in his alignment. That's different. When we say that our plans and our ideas are better than what God is doing and you're getting special revelations which cannot be attested by God's word, I will hold that very, very lightly. There are so many ministries which are formed with so many ideas which is not biblical at all. Why? The danger of a person falling in deception. And they become very prominent, they become very big. My question to you all is, if a ministry looks big or if it looks very good, does that really mean God is there with it? Does numbers mean that God is there in it? Is that the litmus test for it? Or is it by actually walking according to God's word? There are huge churches led by pastors who are, I can't even say the word on camera, but literally it's totally off. And there are huge congregations. And they're teaching them things which are very dangerous, totally unbiblical stuff. And the big congregation, does that mean that is a good church by the number of size of the people, does that mean that is a church which is walking in God's ways? See, we need to change our mind. Numbers don't play a role. The word of God, the spirit of God is what actually is a litmus test for us to see what is of God and what is not of God. So kindly go back home. If there are areas you're struggling with, simple, you don't need anything. Just take out scriptures from the Bible related to that area and say, this is what my view is, write on the paper. This is what my view is. Search scriptures in that and say, this is what God's view is. Repent from your view and start believing in God. Simple. And trust God, you will see a breakthrough in that area of your life. You all okay? Let's just commit this whole time to God and say, God, will you just show us, oh, Father, and give us passion for your word, Lord. Help us to align back to truth, oh, Father. Help us to walk in your ways, oh, Father. We'll pray. Some of you don't want to pray. You'll sit. <laughs> Lord, Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you, Father, that your word is true, of oh, Father. And, Lord, you have given your word, of oh, Father, that we may walk in your ways, Lord. Help us to align ourselves back to your word, of oh, Father, that we may be blessed, of oh, Father. Lord, areas you are struggling, oh, Father, give us truth in that areas, of oh, Father. And, Lord, give us conviction in that area, of oh, Father, and Lord, we want to be Christians who are word-based Christians, oh Father, who are led by the Spirit, of oh Father. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that this week will be a transforming week for each person here, oh Father. That there will be a greater desire to set aside time to read the Word of God, oh Father. To walk in your ways, oh Father, and passionately seek you, Lord. In Jesus' precious name, Amen.